Father God, we thank you for this time, Lord, as we step into this part of the worship service where we worship you um, just by giving you our ears. And Lord, we just ask this morning uh, that you would speak to us clearly. We want to hear a uh, rhema word from you this morning. We want to hear a word directly from you to our hearts. God, thank you for your vision, your purposes for destiny. Um, thank you for uh, the story that you've put us in, God. Um, we want to enter into it this morning. Your mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. All right. So it's amazing today to think about how God wants to write us into his story. Um, does anybody have Instagram crazy people in your family? Um, like anytime you're doing anything, you know, it's going to go on Instagram like right now. And then some of you, you have the Instagram story video people in your family. So like every step of their day is documented and it goes on to the Instagram story file and um, you know so when they wake up in the morning you see what they're eating for breakfast um, as they go to classes in the morning you see what they're studying you know during English class you see the whole portion of the day that's getting documented on Insta story and it's become kind of part of our culture some people live that way and, and have you ever been a part of the you know where somebody's taking a picture you think it's going to be you know be an Instagram picture but then you find out later that it's a it's a, oh it's a video and so you're doing the poses you're doing the thing and then all of a sudden you realize it's a video and then, and then all of the you know grabbing the phone and trying to stop it that stuff that you didn't want people to see is now documented for everybody to see and it's up in the cloud and it's and it's on the app and it's it's all out there. Anybody live in that world? I mean, we, we have those people all around us and love to do that. And all of this stuff goes somewhere. You're like, no, Insta Story videos, they're only up for 24 hours. Well, I've been in youth ministry long enough before uh, you know, I've stepped into the lead uh, ministry position. And I know through the stories of many students who found out that know those, those Insta stories that you think are only on there for 24 hours, they go up in the cloud somewhere and they're going to be enshrined into forever. Believe it or not, they are there. And so the kingdom of God is like that. We, we think we're just sitting in church today, but God is documenting a story right now. And we think we're just on our way, we're driving to work, and you know, oh, you want to take a picture? Well, I, I wasn't really wanting to take a picture this morning, but you know, I was driving. My hair's not the way I wanted. Okay, but you want to take a picture? I'll take, I'll take a picture. And you know, then you realize, oh, it's a video. And, the, and in that moment, every moment of the story right now is a God story that's unfolding around us. Um, we are in a living story that is being documented, not so that the, the, the people who you know and who you don't know can scroll through and like and, and do all that stuff and comment, but so that at the end of the day, God can show all of humanity um, from now to the beginning to the end that he has woven us into a redemption story that is changing earth and shaping eternity. And so everything we do is in that story. And every day we make decisions that either write us into the story of God or, or, or write us out of his best will for us. And so, but first we've got to realize that it's a video. It's a real story. It's a real hap thing that's happening. Our daily life choices really do matter. It really depends on whether I prayed or I didn't pray. My prayer makes a difference, right? My prayer makes a difference. My obedience in giving makes a difference. Whether I speak to the person that Holy Spirit prompted me to speak to or not today may be the game-changing conversation for them. And so it's a video that's happening. It's not just a snapshot of, oh, oh we went to church, or oh, we went to school, or oh, I went to work, um, or I, I went home, and then we worked out, and then I took a nap, and it's just snapshots of life. It really is this God story that's happening all around us. And for me, I think this series 
has helped me wake up to the reality that there are no minor roles in the story of God. Right? There are no minor roles in the story of God. This is a living story and everybody's invited. You are invited into this story. Actually, you're in this story right now. You're in the story. It's a, it's a video. The camera's rolling right now. And that doesn't mean, oh, I should sit up straight or I should get my act together because it's being documented. No, it means more powerfully than that, that we are invited into something that is greater, that transcends just the story that's happening here on earth. We're living in two worlds overlapping at one time, and we can lose sight of one for the other. Our lives matter. Our lives matter. Our story matters. We've talked over the past few weeks about people whose names weren't that common to a lot of us, the people of the fine print that you find in the stories of Scripture. But they are in the script. They're written into the eternal Word of God. They're in the forever standing Word of God. And today I want to talk about a few more of those people. But as a way of doing this this morning, I want to highlight as we close out this series some of the ways that we can ensure that we write ourselves into the story by highlighting a few of the reasons why people might write themselves out of the story. Is that okay this morning? Um, in the text, interestingly, we see both of those things happen. Our main scripture today, if you want to go there this morning uh, with me, is 2 Timothy. We'll put it up on the screen as well. 2 Timothy, the last chapter, chapter 4. Um, this is the last letter that the Apostle Paul wrote. Um, he's at the very end of his life, and he's writing to Timothy, um, who's going to carry the torch, someone that he's invested heavily in uh, for the future expansion of the church. And Paul writes this beginning in verse 6. He says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. So that phrase, in and of itself, lets you know that Paul knew that this thing was a video, right? He, he knew that there are two worlds that are intersecting and at every moment, and there's a time coming where I have a departure date, where I, I depart from this world and enter into a forever world. And so they're overlapping now, time and forever, but there's a moment coming now where I depart forever into time, but where I depart time into forever. And so if you think somehow that it's the other way around, then you might miss an opportunity to be written into the story of God. And so this is what he says, continuing to read the scripture there. He says, the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which is the Lord. The righteous judge will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So it's a video. And the people who are in the video, knowing it's a video... It's a God story. It's not just this earth moment that happens. It's not just my life. It's his story, right? It's not just a series of snapshots of all the, the cool things that we did on earth. It's a God story. It's a redemption story. It's a salvation story. It's a rescue story. It's a restoration story. It's a heaven story. It's a Jesus story. And we are in it. We are in it. He said at the very end of it, it's possible that you could make the decisions to receive a crown called the crown of righteousness. And Paul says, coming out of that, he says, not just for me, but for every single person who has loved, longed for, looked for, you know, and banked on the appearing of Jesus. And so he's banking on a departure date, and he is absolutely making decisions every day that would be nonsensical without one, but with one, they are gold in a bank. Can anybody say amen to that, right? 
Yeah, and so then he comes down to the fine print, and it says in my scripture between the lines of the verses here, as we get to this last portion, it has the little title of the section, and it says personal instructions. Um, and personal instructions means, or personal remarks, it says, okay, we're done with Second Timothy for a lot of us. We're going to go ahead and go to the next book and flip the pages and keep on moving on. Because how many of us put much time or thought into the personal remarks? Very few people underline or highlight usually in the personal remarks section, but that's where we're finding um, our series, and so we're going to go there this morning. So as we read, it says, do your best, verse 9, do your best to come to me soon. So Timothy, my protege, I'm writing to you from the end of the road, um, from prison. I don't know much, how much time I have left, but I want you to hurry up if you can and get here. Do your best to come to me quickly, is what he's saying, okay? And then we read, for Damas, in love with this present world, has departed and gone to Thessalonica. Then he names a few other people here. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. And when you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Tross, also the books, and above all, the parchments. And you're like, amen, thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for, you know, putting that into Scripture. That's so powerful and so mysterious and amazing. Is there a workbook study that I can get, Right? Um, Can I gather my friends around and dive deeper into this text? I want to rip this thing up and highlight it 15 different ways. When when Pastor Derek writes the going deeper questions, verse 9 to verses 12, I mean, this is going to be absolutely revolutionary in my life, right? No, we look at that and we kind of go, I don't know who these people are. I don't know what, what, what this is really about. This is just the closing remarks. And so we're going to dig a little bit deeper into that story this morning. We're not going to ignore it because this is God's word. But here's the big question that we're asking this morning. Why wouldn't we be written into the story of God? So number one, if you're following on your notes, flip over to the backside of your bulletins, you can follow along. Number one, because we mistake visibility with value. We mistake visibility with value. That's one of the things that will keep you from being written into the story. Most of you know that we open up our sanctuary uh, on Tuesday mornings for soaking prayer. And we realize, you know, it's, it's daytime, work week hours. We don't expect a room full of people. But maybe you don't know, we have some people that are consistently in this room praying for our church, praying for our community, praying for our house almost every single week, 10 o'clock when the doors open to 1 o'clock when the doors close. But at the backbone of this effort this morning is someone by the name of Janet Hora. And so Janet is someone, yeah, we can, we can do that. Janet is someone who doesn't fall into the trap of visibility. Even when our staff has Tuesdays off, like we did this week, Janet is here praying, praying over these offering buckets, these planners, praying over the chairs that you're sitting in right now, praying over our sound gear and instruments, praying over our parking lot, praying over this altar, setting up communion for anyone that comes in the morning for about three hours every Tuesday. No name in the bulletin for that, Um, no headlines, not much recognition for all the time that she has spent on her knees. But you can know that heaven knows her voice. And you can bet with surety that God knows her voice, that she is making waves in the intersection of heaven and earth. In fact, I wonder how many times, if it's, if, if it's not the prayers of Janet and so many others of you who are faithful intercessors that have led up to the events, 
every single weekend where hands are being raised for salvation like we had this morning in our first service, where people are being set free and healed during worship, where a word of wisdom or knowledge is being shared on Sunday morning because the atmosphere has been set, prayed over, and prepared by the powerful prayers of our intercessors, Janet being one of them. And just for added measure, Janet, if you didn't know, also helps lead our, our Thursday morning ladies Bible study every Thursday. Can we just thank God for Janet and all the others like her in the room this morning? So anyway, what Paul says here in verse 11, it's, it's pretty powerful. He says, only Luke is with me. Now Luke is mentioned in several other places in Paul's writing, but here he says, Luke alone is with me. Now, when we hear Luke and we're like, okay, but Pastor Sean, this one rings a bell. I know this one. I've, I've heard this guy's name because we know that there are the four Gospels. There's Matthew, there's Mark, there's Luke, and there's, there's John. And maybe it's the same Luke, right? But that's about all we really know, a lot of us, for part of his story. Most of us haven't heard a message about Luke. Um, you know, we don't know a lot of facts about him. But at the end of the day, one of the things we know about him, just from our key scriptures here, is that he was the last guy there. Everybody, for whatever reason, had bailed out, and Paul says, he alone is with me. But when the chips were down, and everybody else is, is, is out of the story, he was still there. And so, just to back up a bit so that we can understand and see a little bit clearer um, ourselves in the story here, Luke was a Greek who mostly uh, likely came to know the power of Jesus after the death and the resurrection of Jesus. We know from Paul's writing that he was a physician. He was a doctor. So he had a place of prominence um, in the city and the place that he worked in. And when he came in contact with those that were carrying the story of Jesus, he kind of gravitated to the importance of the mission of the church. And so he was trained as a phys physician and he specialized in a certain field. But now he hears the gospel and he's awakened to the story of God for his life. And he realized that this is a moment where the news of Jesus is going to begin to travel to the known world. And Luke just sees that and he says, I want to get in on this journey. I want to get on a part of that story. So he became a companion of Paul. And, and those who are leading in the early church, and he leaned in towards the ministry. It doesn't mean that he didn't help someone along the way who was sick because he, he had those gifts. He, he, it doesn't mean that he didn't use that specialized training that he had. In fact, if you look at the stories that are found in the, in the Gospels, if you read Luke's Gospel, it highlights the healing ministry of Jesus more than any other of the four Gospels because he had that lens. He knew how to show Jesus as healer. But he also probably practiced medicine along the way because he had that ability and that gift. With that, he leaned in and he said, I want to be a part of what God is doing. He didn't know that he was going to write one of the four Gospels in the book of Acts. He didn't know that he was going to document the birth of Christ and the heavens opening up and saying, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth among whom God's favor rests. He didn't know that when he was writing that, he would be for every Christmas play that ever was going to happen or every Christmas Eve service. And he didn't know that he was documenting the history of the church from the first day that the Spirit of God kind of swept in and through the expansion of the church and all of the known world. But he was available and he said, I am here. And he just kind of leaned into that. And so most people don't even know that he wrote Acts. If we took a pop quiz this morning and, and we just asked, you know, at the beginning, who wrote, Acts, who wrote Acts, I bet Paul would be the number one answer. 
But everywhere Luke writes, and part of the reason for that, everywhere that he writes, both in Acts and, and in his gospel, he always uses the collective language. He always uses the language of us. It's we. It's us, the church, moving together. He never mentions his own name. He never mentions it. And this guy is somebody with status, right? He's a trained specialist who is always, you know, he's just chosen to lean into the work of the kingdom of God. So he ends up writing... 52 chapters of the scripture, which is one-third of the New Testament, which is, by the way, the same amount of the New Testament that the Apostle Paul wrote. And no one really even knows or understands sometimes how prominent he is in the faith that we build our lives on because he didn't mistake visibility with value. You see that this morning? He said, I want to be in this story because Jesus changed my life and because I see the kingdom of God expanding all around me. I want to be a part of that story. Now, as a doctor, this is the cool part. His specialty helped him with details, right? Trained physician, so it helped him with the details, with observation, dates, names, cities, places, meetings, connections, all of that stuff, so that we have um, details um, with this phenomenal documentation of the birth and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, the arrival of the Holy Spirit into the birth of the church, the expansion of the New Testament church, and a very detailed account about the, how the gospel kind of spread throughout the known world at the time. So that our gospel isn't nonsense. It is very much eyewitness dependable because there was a doctor involved in the documenting of what all of that God was doing in the movement. So Luke didn't mistake visibility with value, though, as his writing. He didn't even write his own name into the story. So a lot of people would say, well, nobody sees me. Nobody sees what I'm doing. It doesn't get any, you know, recognition. So why even do it? Right? And people will just bolt and they'll sometimes write themselves out of the story of God. There's a, a door holder at Destiny Foursquare Church that we love. Beverly and Steve Lobbs have been serving as door holders. Um, She's standing up here at the media computer this morning. She had no idea I was going to highlight her. But both services this morning um, doing that. Um, but they've served as door holders and greeters at Destiny for years. If you've come through our doors, first or second service, all the way back to our Elk Street location, and faithfully up until today, you've likely shaken hands with Steve or Bev. I mean, if you want me to talk about the word faithful, let me just point you in the direction right over there, right? Because if, if, you, ever wonder, if you ever wonder how the words... Um, get up to the songs, get up on the screen, and how the text and the pictures and the video will get up on the screen. That's, that's a role that Beverly serves on our media team at least once a month. And so let me tell you, us guys that lead songs here at Destiny, we're not the easiest ones to follow either. You know, there's some places where you just kind of sing the song the same the, the, every single time. But here at Destiny, it's like, well, we're going to sing the song, but we'll probably never sing it the same ever, ever, ever again. <laughs> you know, what do we just sing it here at Destiny? And that's just the way we do it. But for the person that's working media, let me tell you, it could be a challenge to keep up. And if they don't, what can happen is worship can kind of come to this dead end, right? Where's the words? We're kind of spoiled that way. But Bev also serves on the, the video team once a month, as well as the media team. She's a counter. There's a team um, that goes back and for accountability reasons, counts the, the, the ties and the offerings and the missions offering that was collected this morning and that, everything that's given each week. So she, she does that. She um, regularly brings baked goods to share that you all regularly eat up. <laughs> 
And she is present nine times out of ten, serving in the background, setting up, tearing down, cleaning up at Destiny events. Her heart is set. And so Bev is running ProPresenter this morning. That's the software that we utilize to put stuff on the screens. And then behind the scenes of the media team is a guy named Derek Brown. And he knew that uh, I was, yeah, he knew this was coming second service. So, you know, he's hiding a little bit. But, <laughs> but um, most of you probably know Pastor Derek. Um, he's a pastor on staff here at Destiny. And he gets more stage time than a lot of us around here. And he's definitely, definitely, definitely in the mix. But Derek is one of those guys that is so technically gifted and advanced that maybe you aren't aware of all that he does week in and week out to make things happen at Destiny. Some guys like him, they would walk into a place like this and say, I can't be bothered with putting lyrics on the screen, uh, the worship screens every single week. I've got more important things to do. Not, not Derek. Not Derek. We've, we've got three screens that sync up in this space that we meet in that sync up so that the people in the back can have a, a better view. And when people walk into our welcome area in the back, they can get a view of what's happening in the church with the announcement slides and the media. And, and Derek and his family, they made that happen through magic. I mean, it just happened. <laughs> I don't know how it happened, but it just happened. And so Derek, he also schedules and leads not only our media team, but he leads our sound team and also our video teams who are always quietly working hard to make sure that we have the best sound that we can. That's a really big deal on Sunday mornings and video so that people who aren't able to make it to our, our Sunday gatherings are able to go into our message archives and watch the recorded services. And then that's another thing that Derek does. Um, he edits and uploads and archives all of our media weekly so that it gets distributed out to the radio station that airs every week, to our website, and all the different areas and avenues that it gets spread out to on social media. He writes, I mentioned earlier, he writes the going deeper questions that kind of give you follow-up questions for our small groups and some of you that personally get them that get sent out each week too. Oh, and he's one half of our youth pastor team with all the details and stuff that goes along with that, getting ready for an awesome youth-led service next weekend. So there is a lot of stuff that Derek does. But anyway, here's someone with a lot of skill, a very particular set of skills, and although he gets some platform time around here, there is so much more that he does to make this place function that a lot of us don't even know about. And let me tell you, for those of us that do know, when he's not around, we get a little bit nervous. You have to be able to look around and say, God changed my life. Where is a role? Where is a place that I can serve? And there is a platform that Destiny plays on, and he speaks from every single week here in the house, but he also makes sure those lyrics get up there every single week. So here's somebody with a title and a platform that still doesn't mistake visibility with value. And he's writing himself into the story of God, not out of the story of God. A second reason why people write themselves out moving on is because relational friction becomes a kingdom rift. There's so many people that you run into in life who are not in God's story of the church that he's building today because somebody said something or did something and it just stuck with them and they said, I'm out. And you say, you know, why aren't you in the story right now? 
and they'll say, because so-and-so, they said this thing. And so we're not talking about theological stuff. We're not talking about you know, ethical problems. We're not talking about big theological or philosophical differences. We're talking about so-and-so said something, and it didn't sit well with me, and I haven't been in church now for the last 10 years. And because of a little relational friction, they just wrote themselves out of the story. And I say that because in this story, it's kind of all in this, this little section of Scripture that we read right here. Paul and Barnabas, who led the first missionary journey, we talked about that the first week in this series, they separated and they parted ways. And they, they did it over a guy named John Mark, who started with them on the first journey. But as they got going, he flaked out and he went back to Jerusalem. And now there's a lot of conjecture as to the why. Why did he bail out? But it could have been that Paul was just opening up the, the, the gospel story so big. And it might have been a little bit too uncomfortable. He's opening up the door so wide, so much grace for the Gentiles to come to Christ, kind of bypassing all the Jewish law, the system. And John Mark, he went back to Jerusalem, sort of the headquarters of the expanding new church where the, kind of the Jewish hub would have been. And he just gives the report back. Well, guys, Paul is kind of stretching this thing like way open. <laughs> like Paul does. He's all about grace. Let's open up the doors, right? Let him in. But whatever it was, when they went on the second journey, Barnabas said, let's take John Mark along. What did Paul say? Uh, nope. You see what happened the first time we invited him along? That was the conversation that happened, and that friction caused them to part ways. And there were two different ministries that emerged from that. Paul and Silas went one way, and Barnabas and John Mark went another. And that friction was real. And I say that to say if it was real then, it must be real now. And there has to be an extra grace for trusting people, for forgiving quickly, for hanging in there, getting over and saying, you know what, I can overcome this for the sake of the kingdom. Don't get put on the sideline because of a relational rift that happens in your life. It's a possibility, and it's how a lot of people write themselves out of the story. A third way that we write ourselves out of the story, and maybe one of the status verses in the New Testament, is that we lose sight of the ultimate because of the allure of the immediate. It's right here in verse 10. It's a staggering verse. For Damas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. What a staggering thought. Now, we read, you can read his story in Philemon and in Colossians where Damas was written into the story. He's right there. He's a trusted brother. He's a fellow servant. He's a part of the mission. So imagine, if you will, kind of zoom back a little bit and say, what's going on here? Here's a guy. He's saying, I'm a co-worker with Apostle Paul. I'm in it. We are literally writing the scriptures as we go. We are literally birthing and building the church of Jesus Christ from the ground floor up. And I have a front row seat, a partnership stake in what God is doing in the the world. So this is first ownership. This is best case scenario. This is an amazing opportunity. But at some point, he doesn't see that. He doesn't see that it's a video. He doesn't understand what's happening. He doesn't get the departure date somehow. And so Thessalonica, when they, when they came through there together and they planted a church there together and they saw this crossroads city and the importance of it and the vibrancy of it all and the life and the party that was going on, there was a seed that was planted there and in Damas's mind. And so now at this stage in the journey, Nero is in power, and he's per persecuting Christians everywhere. The heat is being turned up, and he remembers something. He, he saw someone, or maybe it was something he heard in Thessalonica, and he says, man, this has been great, but I'm out. <laughs> I'm out of here. 
And so the allure of this immediate blinded him from the reality of the ultimate story that he was a part of. And he quit on Paul and he ran after the world. And I think when we lose sight of the ultimate for the immediate, we either quit, but it's almost worse if I can say it. We sit sometimes. And it's not like we've written ourselves out of the story. I'm still here, but I'm just sitting here. My investment isn't here. My, my heart isn't here. My energy isn't here. My gifts aren't really here. My service isn't really here. I haven't really walked away and quit, but I've just kind of chosen to sit. And I pray for all of us that God would help us to continually peel back the layers for us to see the ultimate. The fourth reason, just to keep on going this morning, why people bail is because we believe our past failures will disqualify us from future purpose. But I want to remind you of what, of what it says here. He says, only Luke is with me, but then he says, go get Mark. Now, this is the same Mark. This is John Mark that we were just talking about who bailed on him. Go and get him, it says, and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in ministry. Isn't that beautiful that we get to see that written into the story? That here's this guy that had bailed and God brought him back and brings us back time and time and time and time again. You may have bailed on God somewhere along the way, bailed on the mission, bailed on the cause. You may have bailed and gone to Thessalonica. But you know what? Today could be your welcome back day. Today could be your welcome home day where God is putting you back into the story again. And a lot of people, I believe, they're sitting on the sidelines because God told them, it's not because God told them to go and stand on the sidelines, but they're sitting there because they've made some mistakes in their past and the enemy has convinced them that all they'll ever do is stand on the sidelines. And so there they stand and God is saying to you this morning, hear me, hear me this morning. He's saying to you, I'd like to put you back into the game. I'd like to put you back into the story. And I'd like to welcome you back into my grace. Lastly, I think a lot of us write ourselves out of the story of God because we feel like because we can't do everything, we end up not doing anything. We feel like because we can't do everything, we end up not doing anything. You know, to get where we're at, Destiny Four Square Church, Philadelphia Street, where we are this morning, phase one, there was a lot of money and blood and sweat and tears invested. Destiny, um, just for some of you who may, may not know the story, was started in the basement of Pastors uh, Brent and Tana's home. A lot of you have been along for the journey, and, and this is familiar to you, but it was started in their, in their home, in their basement. And... Um, there are founding pastors, and then it went around to a, a few different locations until we landed at Elk Street, a different part of town, which is where Pastor Deanna and I became of the story, uh, became a part of the story as youth pastors in the year 2001. We were hired on April Fool's Day. We always thought it was going to just be a big joke, but, <laughs> but God invited us into the story there. And so for several years... When we sold and outgrew that facility, Destiny was mobile. We were meeting at hotels in the Civic Center until we came here. And I don't know how many of you remember the story, but it was Pastor Deanna that saw a vision and sketched out a building shape on paper. And the face of the building that we're in right now matches perfectly that drawing. 
And so I can remember the first time walking into the parking lot and seeing that and recognizing that. And it was like we knew, okay, this is where God is taking us. And it was part of what was called the Promised Land Campaign, where many of us sitting in this room, we sacrificed and gave so that we can be sitting in this room today. We purchased this property in January of 2006. It was just a big open warehouse at that time, metal and concrete, basically. You see in that picture, the picture that you see in the top left is that corner of the building right over there. The glass doors that you walked through this morning used to be a garage, like a loading dock area that you, can, you could drive in. Just metal and concrete, basically. And so we, we renovated throughout that summer and fall. This next picture that you see is where um, our current coffee bar is. That's, that's that location, the space that used to be there. And our first service in this, in this building was Christmas Eve that same year. That's how quickly things kind of came together. We purchased this property, which includes five buildings on this block, for $1,180,000. And to get where we are today, it cost us. It cost us roughly, not, that was just to, to, to get into the buildings. It cost us around another $1,100,000 to renovate our offices and get to the place where it looks like it does today and here and in our offices and this space that we, we call our sanctuary. So we got in and it was amazing. I mean, I, I remember some of you were there that first Christmas Eve service and the feeling that was in this room was just electric. I, there was just something about it. And so things were looking good, but we still didn't have a place for children's ministry. This whole wing that's over here didn't exist. And so after a year in, we spent another $106,000 creating that children's ministry. And we didn't know how we were going to do it but because the, the, the money had kind of run out. But somebody wrote a check anonymously for $80,000, and God made a way where it yeah. seemed like there wasn't a way. Amen. And so we have that children's ministry wing. And we've been doing, Pastor Di has been doing amazing, amazing ministry to our children for years now in that space. So now if you're tracking with me, up till now, we've spent roughly $2,388,000 to purchase this building, to renovate it to its curtain state that, we're, that it's in, and add on the children's ministry space. So we sold our other property um, to do that. We used some of our investments, and together we raised $100,000 through the Promised Land Giving Campaign. And so now the Occupy banners that you see that have been um, in this space hanging on the wall were part of the campaign to get us to phase two. And the idea is that we made it to the promised land, but we've still got to cross the Jordan River. And so under the stage that I stand on is a ramp that many of you might not even know is, is, has been here, that, that many of you, uh, if you've been around, around, around long enough, you symbolically remember walking across. You walked up this ramp, and behind this curtain, again, maybe some of you don't know this, is this metal garage that goes into a warehouse and a space in the building that we own as part of that property purchase, which is intended to be our future sanctuary. And so this space that we're in right now is intended to be filled with tables and chairs and kind of a foyer area. This wall that you see right over here is uh, intended to be the stage for our youth ministry area. This corner over here, a, a bookstore and a coffee shop and this little kitchenette that we have, we, 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 we have dreams to make it an industrial kitchen so we can serve meals in this place and fill this space right here with people, with warm food that we can cook right here in our facility. 
That's the vision. And so this building over here, this warehouse that we're connected to, that one is, you know, this, this Occupy campaign um, has been and it is still about occupying the space that God has given us, both now and moving forward. So that auditorium over there, should that be where God takes us, that would seat around 600 to 650 people with our first design layout. Now, just for reference, the occupancy in this space is 257. So that's exciting to think about. That's exciting to think about. We could feasibly be easily reaching 1,000 plus people a weekend doing two services in space that we already own through those doors. But to do that, it just makes sense that God's going to fill this space first. And so I can see it. I believe that you know, he can do it. We can do it. But it's not about us. It's about his kingdom. It's about his yes. work. And it's got to be us being about God's business and what he has for us and his kingdom purposes. So we've got to be a church that loves people and is passionate about reaching people past those doors. And so to be a part of his story in Rapid City, which we all want to be, and to move forward, we've got some things to do. We've got to disturb some dirt. We've got to do some foundation work. We've, we, 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 we would have to, a parking lot that we'd need to finish, some landscaping that needs to be done. And we, we have some big plumbing work to, to make this an industrial kitchen and to make that happen that we have the vision for to love and serve our community in that way. And none of that happens it doesn't exist if we're just content, if we just give up and say, because we can't do everything, well, I guess we're not going to do anything. To get where God is taking us is going to cost us. And so we don't know a final number yet. We haven't gotten that far, but we know it will be significant to turn a warehouse. We've done it before, to turn a warehouse into a place where people can come and worship. And, and you know, I, I don't, wherever God takes us, I don't want to box God in. And I know that, that some of us in the room would like to start on it right now. Like, let's get in the room. Let's get in that space, right? Some of you have been faithfully giving to the Occupy campaign for years now, and you're just itching to see some movement. And so I think when people hear that, kind of see that big picture that's presented before them, there's a tendency for us to say, you know, Sean, honestly, I have 50 bucks. <laughs> and maybe, you know, if I stretch my faith way out there, I might have 180 I might be able to get to there if I just step forward and say, God, can you do a miracle? I might be able to do that because we don't have a lot. And what's $180 in a multi-million dollar project? Add to that, we want to be a planting and a launching church. We have young leaders now that are getting trained to go into ministry. Wouldn't it be amazing to see God take what he has planted here and spread some seeds in other parts of South Dakota and in this region and, and God see just new life birthed in that way? And so we want to be a part of that. Add to that, we want to give to local and global causes. We want to take care of the orphans. We want to go to the ends of the earth. Add to that, we want to keep things rolling strong here in this space that we're at now. Add to that, we don't even know what the next thing God is going to call us to, but he wants to use us. And so you say, $180, Sean, that doesn't even pay the electricity bill. What difference does it make? And I think sometimes whether it's our prayers or showing up on our day to run media or our opportunity to reach out to a friend, we think it's such a little thing. How could it even matter? And I love that at the end of this little paragraph in the Bible, you know, salvation, redemption, Jesus, theology, heaven, it's all in here. But also in here is this, Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, could you bring the cloak that I left? 
at Carpus at Tras, with Carpus at Trias, that's in the Bible. <laughs> Could you bring my cloak? I forgot it. Holy Spirit took some of the words, the forever sealed words that are written in the scripture and used them to write this in. Couldn't that have been, you know, just a separate letter, like a post-it note? You know, can, I, can you give me a post-it note? I would have put a note in here. Can you tell them, give them this as well? Because I need my coat. No, Holy Spirit said, put that in. Why do you think he said, put that in? I, I think it's because he wants people to know that even when you can't do everything, that the anything that you can do is a significant thing in the grand story of God. And maybe, you know, what you're going to do is bring the cloak that Paul left in Tross. And I'm telling you, if you're in wintertime and it's in prison and it's, it's the end of your life, you need the cloak. Right? And so, I don't, maybe your story this morning, all, I, I, I don't have the cloak, but we can give. I can give my time. I can could put something in the planner. Right. But can you get the cloak also? Because I need a cloak. <laughs> so what Paul is saying, and, and the books, please go get the books. And please, 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 whatever you do, please, 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 don't forget the parchments because the parchments is the written word of God. And Timothy, my protege, is going to carry the torch. He's going to blaze the trail. He's the guy. He's the next guy. And this is a video. You know that? This is a video. And in the video... got Paul's cloak right here. This is what he really needs to make it this winter. That's what I got. I'm, I'm the cloak carrier. And it's the coat. And God wrote a coat into the story of forever. Don't ever think that because you can't do everything, what difference does it make? Your anything might be somebody else's everything. So bring what you have and do what you can and lean in where you are and write yourself into the story of God. So I, I really didn't intend for this message to land on this day or even plan to talk about this today. Um, but God has been putting a vision in our hearts, Pastor Deanna and I, um, to continue to step into the Occupy campaign. And um, the way that this message is landing sets it up perfectly for us to talk about it this morning. And so we've been sharing this vision with the staff and with the council, and we're by faith. We're going to be taking some steps that we believe will be the next steps for growth here at Destiny. And so God gave us this last year this somewhat unusual vision for us to put in this curved divider, this, this welcome area this last fall. And it's been a great tool for us to start becoming more intentional with our space, having a space to welcome people, to greet them. Um, we still have a new and, and growing team that's uh, in place just for that. Um, having a place for parents to sign in kids was a big deal. You know, greeting newcomers and getting them information about who we are, all of that. And it's been an amazing first step into thinking about the people that are coming into this space. And so here's the thing. The natural drift of any organization is towards insiders. This is especially true of churches. We're the ones that are always here. So we're the ones that are going to be providing 99% of the feedback, right? 
Whereas God's purpose for the church is to be both a place for believers to worship and grow together and evangelistically and outwardly focused. So coming to church for many of us in the room, you know, is easy for us. We love this place and this space and it holds many loved memories. God has moved and he's spoken and he's healed us in this room. And for those reasons, we don't think about sometimes how hard it is for people who have darkened the, darkened the door of a church to even walk through the door. And so sometimes that's so easy for us, but it's really hard for someone who is far from God, someone who's a skeptic, someone who has no concept of what this is all about. But if our mission is to invite others into a growing relationship with Christ, we've got to care about them with our space, too. And so the reality is that we have this opportunity in our response and our actions. And even though our facility and the, even through the facility and the environments that we create, um, to make that experience less difficult. And we can also unintentionally on the flip side make it more difficult. And so in the early church, they dealt with the same issues. And, and after Paul and Barnabas' missionary journey, they came back uh, and a council met to discuss concerns about how to welcome all these non-Jewish converts who were coming to God. And they didn't know how to do church. They didn't know how to, to be appropriate in their gatherings. And after all the discussion had taken place, you could read this in Acts 15. James, the brother of Jesus, he steps up and he says, It is my judgment that we should not make it difficult for the people who are turning to God. And he's saying, look, there are people out there who are not like us, but God is drawing them to himself and he's inviting them into a relationship with Jesus who died on a cross for them. So let's not put obstacles in their ways as they come to our gatherings. So the same is true for us today. And if we want to reach a community coming from different backgrounds, cultures, and beliefs, and all sorts of even bad church experiences, and if they're walking in the doors of the church, skeptics and unsure, we have the opportunity to make the experience less difficult to think about creating a church that unchurched people love to attend. And so that doesn't mean, listen to me this morning, that doesn't mean watering down God's word. We're all about diving into God's word. We're all about salvation, drawing people to Jesus. He is the headline. He's the headline. And, and get this, he will always be the headline. He is enough. We'll always be about worshiping, no holds barred. That's not going to change. Taking time for the sacraments, communion, water baptism, discipling, equipping the saints. None of that has changed. But can we do all that in such a way that unchurched people love to jump into? Now, let's, let's just assume that there are unchurched people in the room. Assume that people uh, that are in the room that have no context for church. And which room? Every room. You know, this space, the children's ministry room, the sanctuary, um, the nursery, the parking lot, out on the street before they even come in, before they even enter. So think about this for a second. Let me just paint this picture. Let's say you want to invite your neighbor to destiny. And you don't know where they really stand faith-wise. You, you know he's not a Christian. Uh, maybe he's an atheist. You're not really sure. But God opens the door. And after years of building a relationship, you invite him to come with you to destiny. And finally says, yes, I'll come with you to church this Sunday. He gets in your car. You're driving in. Think about what's going through his mind as you're pulling in. All of a sudden, you care about a lot of things that you necessarily didn't care about the week before. 
So, you know, you're driving in and you're thinking, well, I hope they cut the grass out front. I hope there's not a bunch of, of weeds out there. Hopefully somebody pick up the trash in the parking lot, right? And then as you park your car, I'm thinking, I hope that all of our church volunteers and leaders didn't take all the close spots because I have a guest and I don't want to have to park across the street at the Kmart parking lot. And, you know, you begin to walk towards the building and you're thinking, I hope they have the best guest services, the best door greeters, the best welcome team meeting us at the doors today, people that are warm and welcoming, and they're, they're not going to do anything weird. You know, I just want them to feel welcome and relaxed as they come in. And so you get into the sanctuary, and then you think about the whole system that we've got for checking the kids in. You hope that whoever is helping with that process is making parents feel safe and secure about leaving their kids. You know, with someone that they don't know, they're putting a lot of trust in us there for that. You're thinking about the worship. And the worship leader, you're hoping that he buttons the top three buttons and his chest hair isn't showing this week. And you're hoping that the media runs well, that they upgraded the computer so it doesn't crash like it used to. And, and the lights and the production side of things running smoothly, that the stage looks amazing. And as the preacher gets up, you're thinking, man, I hope he's on his game. I hope she's funny. I hope he's engaging. I hope today is not the day that he just drones on for an extra 20 or 30 minutes too long. I hope the message is helpful. I hope that it's applicable to my neighbor and that he gets something out of of it right so when we assume that they're in the room like when our neighbor is sitting next to us in that scenario we think about all of those things but the next week when they're gone all of a sudden that stuff is forgotten and everything is comfortable for us why is there such a difference because the week before we assumed they were in the room and they were in the room and it causes us to have a different lens to think through hey what's he experiencing and so we've got people walking through our doors every single week that need Jesus. And if you're here this morning, I just want to say I'm really glad that you're here. And I hope you're okay being with us in the space this morning. We want you to feel welcome. And, and so anyway, Deanna and I started presenting a vision to position our body for growth, for new visitors, and for new life. And the spotlight and the headline, listen to me, will always be Jesus, loving him and his amazing yeah. ability to draw people to himself by his presence and through his leading. But I want to keep reminding us, the staff and the council, and this is the conversation that we've been having, and all of us in the room, that we are stewards of the second part of that as well, loving God and also loving the people that he brings to us. And so we are making a decision to change some things in the space that we're in because we want to love people the best that we can, that we are doing the best to, to serve the people that are a part of our family already and who are yet to become a part of our family. So that's why we're thinking about our facility and creating spaces, and that's why that's important, because this is our home, and we want to invite people into a place to keep welcoming people into it, making it easy for people to be greeted and welcomed, to know where they're going when they walk through the door, removing distractions, all that stuff, and start making some adjustments. We know that some people are going to have some hang-ups as we do that, because change is hard. You know, change is hard as, uh, for some people as we, we get, and we get that. But I want to keep on pointing us in the direction to the vision and calling of the house, which is this. Some of you know this. You've, you've got it memorized. And that is helping the spiritually hungry experience God and discover purpose and destiny. And how do we do it? We do it through free and open worship, biblical training, and release into personal ministry. That's our aim. And just so you know, the two that wrote that, this, that our mission, that penned our mission in the church planning boot camp, we've been having um, conversations with them. We've been chatting with Pastor Brent this week one of our founding pastors, along with his beautiful bride, Tiana. And his excitement about this discussion encouraged me so much. 
And uh, so I asked him to write you a statement that, um, that I could share this morning. And this is what he said. It's up on the screen so you can follow along. He said, Dear Destiny family, oh, how excited I was when Pastor Sean shared with me the plans to move forward with the relaunching of the Occupy campaign. He shared several of the improvements that he, Pastor Deanna, and the council have planned, and my heart just leapt. Now, God gave him this scripture, and I love it so much. Look at this scripture, 1 Corinthians 15, 46. But that which is natural comes before that which is of the Spirit. And then he gave this word. He said, what you are about to embark on is a prophetic act. As you build and beautify the building and land, God is going to build and beautify his body. You are entering into the greatest days destiny has ever known, and it's going to take a leap of faith and risk, but you are ready. It's time to move forward and to occupy. Isn't that good? So, so here's what's happening. We're, we're moving forward with some, some facility and grounds updates that you're going to start seeing roll out in the next few weeks. And I just got a few more minutes, and then we'll jump over to our lunch. Um, some of these are already council approved and some of them we're still working through, but we're going to start by clearing some more space during Thanksgiving break in our entryway and making our welcome area even more intentional. So I wanted to give you a heads up. You're going to see some things start to change around here. We're going to be more intentional. As guests come in, we want to have directional signage for them. Um, we want to uh, have areas on our walls that focus on our mission, our values, and even the history of our church and have stations and ways for them to plug in and connect with, with what's happening here at Destiny. So in this process, we plan to work with an interior decorator who happens to be on our staff to help uh, lead us through thinking intentionally and creatively all of the spaces that we have in here and to help us think through how guests process you know, through the space that we have. And this is really big. We've had a local business through relationship with our church family donate paint to allow us to refresh our sanctuary. So you see some new colors and some new color schemes happening. And I know as it happens, that might seem shocking for some of us who have been in this space and called this space home. But listen, we're doing this with prayerful intention. And my prayer is as we do this, it's a sense of what happens when you start moving things around to refresh the space with new life and a new sense of renewed purpose. And so other elements that are being discussed as well, just to, just to kind of highlight them really quickly, we're considering parking lot in our front, the front of our building that, that's out here. We're going to repaint the, the parking lot lines. We already have the paint for that. Um, hiding the dumpster, that's kind of an eyesore when you come into our property there. Removing the barbed wire from the fence that's out there and adding a privacy screen to it so you can kind of hide all that kind of junk that's on the rental property that's behind there. And so we have plans to update the face of our current sanctuary as well, the outside and the front entrance area with a new backlit signage and decor. We have a new logo now. We need to, we need to kind of update our, our signage to reflect that. And all of that is just first impression stuff as people come onto our property. But it's important because we want to put our best foot forward to welcome people into this home. Because excellence is one of our values, and it has been right. since Brent and Tana you know, founded the church. And our plan as we do this is to re-engage the Occupy campaign afresh with renewed vision going forward by taking these crucial next steps as we go. And so here's the thing. You'll be invited to partner in that journey. And listen, you don't have to worry. Today's not a campaign launch. I'm not going to have cards passed around or anything like that. I'm not giving any big speech or plea to give to the cause. But I do. Here's what I do want. I do want to invite you to pray because this is where we're heading. 
This is where we're going, and it has been where we're heading. This is just the next step. And so if you haven't considered giving to the Occupy campaign before, I know there's several of you that have seen these posters hanging there. You didn't even really know what it was all about. It's been kind of laying dormant for a while. And, and I, I would just like for you, if that's you, I'd like you to start praying about it. If you've never been a part of that story, we'll be talking about ways that you could partner soon, whether it be financially or with your hands, you know, as we start the projects. And if you've already been given, I just want you to know this morning, here we go. These are the next steps of crossing over the Jordan River. <laughs> This is, this is where we're going. So let's stand this morning. Now, Deanna and I will be prayerfully praying and discussing with the council about how to officially kind of relaunch back into the campaign. But in reality, it never stopped. I mean, that's why the, the, you know, the, the banners have been in the room. It never stopped. It's just been dormant for a while. You know, we've, we've, been, we've been in this place. But here's the thing. God has set apart the time this morning. He kind of... Kind of I, I didn't even plan for this series to end this way or for this to be a part of the conversation. It kind of just naturally happened that way. Holy Spirit just did something. And church, I want to challenge us and close with this this morning. Don't ever think that because we can't do everything, what difference does it make if we do anything? So we're taking some steps. I said this earlier. I'm going to say it again. Your anything might be somebody else's everything. There are so many big people that have been rescued right here in this room as a part of their story. Meeting with Jesus for the first time or re-surrendering as we had someone do just in the first service. And I said this, you know, and so as we do what, what God has called us to do together, bring what you have. Do what you can. Lean, lean in where you're at and let us write ourselves into the story of God. And not just in a building campaign. That's just what I kind of finished the message with off with this morning. But lean in with your life. We spent a month talking about the people of the fine print. And as we close out this series, I hope you know and I hope you can see the people of the fine print are really <laughs> highlighted in the stories of our God. There is no small part that we play. No matter what platform you stand on or don't stand on, you are a part of story. If you lean in with, with your life and the story of God, it is significant. So, Father God, there's, we have an opportunity this morning to lean into your story, to be like Dr. Luke. God, and we're not going to let relational friction stop us. We're not going to let visibility be our concern over the value. We're not going to lose sight of the ultimate for the immediate. God, we're not going to allow our past failures to disqualify us. And we're, just because we can't do everything, that means, God, we're not going to just stop at doing nothing. But God, invite us into the story. We want to be used by you in a great way because you're a great God and you are writing us into the story. God, we want to step into that this morning. Your purposes and your plans for our life in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. Now, maybe you're hearing this this morning, and this is always a part of our story here at Destiny, and it always will be because Jesus is the headline. We want to invite you into a, into a relationship with Jesus if that hasn't been part of your story. And so, um, you know, whether it, whether it is a re-surrender, and you've, you've been on the journey before, and Jesus has been part of your story, but you've kind of fallen off. Maybe you went to Thessalonica. You had a little detour on the road. God is calling you back and say, welcome back into my grace this morning. Or if it's the first time, we want to welcome you into that story this morning. So with nobody looking around, every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you, we don't want to embarrass you. We're not going to give any recognition to you this morning, but I, I just want to pray with you. Just raise your hand up high in the air. 
so I can see it and we can agree with you and pray with you this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Well, Father God, we just thank you for your purposes and your plans. And as we close out this time this morning, God, we are a people that are excited about your purposes in this house, God. Take us across that Jordan River, and as Pastor Brent prophetically spoke over this, let us occupy the land that you've given us to occupy. In your mighty name we pray, amen and amen.